two of the Home and Away podcast. I'm your host, Jacob Lurance, joined as always by my brother and co-host, Caleb Lurance. And today we have a very special guest. We have Trey Moses. Trey is the founder of 24 Reasons. He is a mental health advocate. He is a new, a new podcast host of the One in Five podcast. 2020 NCAA Inspiration Award winner, overseas hooper, and a good friend of mine. Trey, how are you doing today? I'm doing good, man. How are you guys? Doing good. We're good. We're good. That's, We're just it's quite the uh, list life. there. It's quite the list there. <laughs> <laughs> he's a big time, man. He's a, he's a, he's a good guy, a good friend of mine. Uh, like I said, we've had some battles this year um, over here in Portugal. Um, Trey's team got the best of us both times. I'll give him that. Um, but they they were definitely they were definitely some battles. I had I had a lot of problems trying to stop his right-handed hook and uh, his quick spin. But you know it is it is what it is. You know um, it's a it's a friendly rivalry, right? Yeah, it was uh, it was fun. It was good to battle with you, and um, hopefully we can battle again one day. Yeah, I hope so. Somewhere anywhere in the world, I guess. Um, but yeah, that's one of the first things I wanted to ask you is just get into uh, how, how has life been overseas? And uh, I mean, you've had a couple of years now, you started off in Bulgaria, right? And then uh, did, then you went to Australia for a little bit, but then COVID hit, or did you ever, did you ever even make it to Australia before COVID? Yeah, I was in, Aust- I was in Australia for like 10 days, I think. Um, but literally like, the second day I was there, our season got canceled. Um, so from there, I was just trying to figure out kind of what um, what was next, whether I would try to stay until, you know, there was a chance they could have a, a, a late, later season or if I would just go home and they felt it was best I'd just go home. Yeah, I kind of went through the same thing last year in Spain where the season wasn't technically like officially canceled. It was postponed and they gave us the option. Actually, they asked us like, would you rather just go home right now or stay and wait? And I was like, ah, I'm not going to wait until the borders get closed or something. And I was every, everything was kind of moving so fast. So I just decided to go home and obviously it was a good decision because I think a couple, couple weeks later, the season officially got canceled. Um, but now you're in Portugal and you're playing for uh, Overents. And how, how has this year been? How, how has it been with you um, over here in Portugal? And I, I know it's been a little bit of a hectic season, but but how how has your how's your stay been in Portugal so far? Um, I'd say I've been okay. Um, I think you know it's been tough with having as much change as we've had. You know, uh, our coach getting fired, and then you know three teammates getting sent home. Um, so that was kind of tough to deal with. And um, early on when our new coach got there, it was like, okay, like, am I going to get sent home? Like, you know, what's going to happen? Um, and then one guy gets sent home and you're like, okay, like in my next, and you know, what, what's going to happen? And then the other gets sent home and you're like, okay, like what, what's going to happen now? Like, so it's yeah. kind of just like, it was kind of tough dealing with that. So I felt like, since he's gotten here, I've, I've had a, a lot of added pressure onto myself, um, which hasn't been the best. And I've, I've overthought a lot of things. Um, so just trying to get over that little hump um, and try to finish the season strong. Um, but I think, um, you know, from the basketball standpoint, he's been, he's been good for me. 
Um, he's really helped me in, in the kind of the mental side and uh, being a little more physical and aggressive in a sense. Um, so from that standpoint, good. And the mental health wise, um, you know, as good as you can be being overseas away from everyone yeah. in the middle of a pandemic. Yeah, I think, I think that's a lot of like something that a lot of people don't realize is like playing overseas is like romanticized a little bit. Like it looks really good from the outside looking in. And like, I mean, I always wanted to play overseas my whole life and I thought it would be a great life and it'd be awesome. And you'd just be able to go see sites every day and just like basically be on vacation, you know, for seven, eight months out of the year. But the fact of the matter is, is that it's not like a vacation, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's tough being away from family and friends. I think that's the hardest part. Um, but other than that, like trying to adjust to a new culture, trying to, uh, I mean, figure out how to communicate with people. I mean, it is, is super challenging. So, um, what, what has been some of like the challenges you've went through as far as, uh, being overseas and trying to adjust to a completely new landscape? I think last year I had a lot more challenges because the language barrier was a lot tougher. Uh, there was very few people that spoke English and um, the ones, or anytime we would try to talk to people, um, it was kind of like, you could tell they didn't want to talk to us. It, it felt like there was this uh, kind of hate towards Americans, which was kind of tough and I didn't really understand, but um, so that was a little tough, but you know, it hasn't been too bad over here. Uh, the language barrier, like there's rarely anyone that doesn't speak English. Um, and then, um, you know, I think being away from family, like my cousin got to visit last year. Um, so that was, you know, awesome. But with borders being closed, like, you know, that wasn't going to happen this year. And so um, I'm hoping, you know, in the, in the future, um, you know, kind of this all settles down and family's able to visit. But I would say that made it a lot easier for me to be able to have him there for that week or so um, and just kind of see a familiar face, obviously, that I've known my entire life. And um, in the middle of the season, uh, that, that's been tough. Um, but I think um, from, like, you know, Brock uh, is my teammate here. Like, you you know, you got to play against yeah. him. Um, but become really best friends um and so i think that's been very beneficial for me um he's actually getting married this summer so i'll be in his wedding um but that's been you know beneficial for both of us his first year um and then for me like i haven't had a full year yet like i i got yeah you know sent home mid last year and so this is the longest i've kind of been away um and so this is i would say like this is the toughest part of the season is these last you know, two, two, three months we have, um, and just really trying to grind it out. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of how it's been for me, but um, I think, I think right now is like the time where everybody's just ready to go home. Kind of like it's, it's that time of year. Like, it's like, everybody's getting a little homesick, like no matter how well adjusted, I think you are over here, you're always going to miss that sense of home and that sense of like community you get whenever you're back in your hometown or, just back living wherever, wherever you live in the States, just, it's just different. And a lot of people just don't understand it. I think is the thing. Yeah. And it, I think it makes it a lot tougher when your team's not winning. Yeah. Um, like, like both of oh yeah. Um, 
but you know we're you know we got picked up a big win yesterday and have a good challenge on Monday um but you know this is the lowest I've been in terms like I've never been on like a losing team um yep so to have this like happen it's like damn like it's the first time I've ever felt like a loser in a sense (laughs) but um yeah me and some of my teammates were talking about the same thing uh we're just like like we know we're not we know we're not trash like we like, like we know like we're good players and we're not losers but it, it's hard to feel like a a winner whenever you're just losing game after game and it's just like it feels you feel helpless sometimes but i mean it is what it is like you've said it's basketball there's a lot bigger things to worry about than just hooping so um yeah i just got to power through it really a couple more months and we're back to the crib I guess. Trust me, I can't wait. With that, with the separation that you kind of have and stuff, have you found yourself making more more of a conscious effort to do the things to stay in contact with people back at home? Because I know for us, like we're both like he's significantly farther and you're significantly farther than I am, but I'm still like for the most part a flight away from family. Like it's not an easy drive to get home. Um, and for us, like this is something we kind of saw that we weren't having like regular communication. And this is a way where we like wanted to consciously make sure we were having conversations weekly or whatever. Have you found yourself doing anything like that? Yeah, I think it's, um, <clears throat> it's been, you kind of realize the kind of true connections you have once you're over here. Cause you kind of are like, there's nice. some people who you have talked to for so long or you see consistently for so long. And then you get over here and you're like, we really don't have nothing to talk about. Yep. And so like those people kind of fade away in a sense. Um, but the people that you do have that connection with, you find yourself, you know, FaceTiming them, uh, Zoom, whatever it is. Um, but I think the the people that mean the most to you, you find ways to stay connected with. And I think um, going both ways, because, you know, obviously like you, I know you have a job and you're busy. Uh, he Cause he was telling me about it. And so for like, you doing this, like, I feel like it, it means a lot to both of you guys for both of you guys to have to take time out of your busy schedules for each other um, to do this. And so for me, it's the same way. If I'm um, able to FaceTime a friend, I would hope that he or she sees that. Yeah. I'm taking right. time out of my day and vice versa. And then um, video games is another big one for me, just being able to play with the boys back home and right. um, stay connected that way too that's probably the biggest thing for me and for a while that's only like time me and Caleb really talked it was on the weekends whenever he was off work and I was on video games so right gotta love it um, I first got here we only had one tv in our apartment um and so there was three of us living here I was like oh this ain't about to happen so (laughs) I went to the store and immediately bought a tv I was like I was like I'm not you gotta have one (laughs) you had to and so hopefully I'll be able to like sell it to one of the guys but I had to have it Tom, yeah, I, still travel. A, I was gonna say you still travel with the monitor yeah I copped a little like sitting right here actually I copped like a 19 inch like gaming monitor and I can put it in my check bag and like I brought it to, back from Spain and then brought it here this year it's it's it was a great investment it was a great investment just jumping into like what you started recently uh, I know you started a new podcast the one in five podcast uh, I believe episode one came out on Monday is that correct yeah, yeah. How is how's that experience been? What's kind of the goal of that? And 
you have any exciting guests you have planned out that you would want to share anything or just kind of talk through how that came about and what your goal is with that a little bit? Um, yeah, so it was kind of crazy because Amanda, she um, she went to Ball State with me. She was two years older than me, um, but we've always followed each other, never really talked, though. Uh, she does color coordination, I think it's called, or something like that for Pac-12 women's basketball. Um, so color commentating. She, yeah, I couldn't remember what they called. <laughs> um, but she um, she does that for Pac-12 women's basketball. Uh, so she's always been in the sports world. And then she randomly messages me and was like, you know, I've been thinking about starting a podcast about mental health. I know you're, you know, you're big into this. Um, you know, what would it look like for us to work together? Um, and deep down, I'd been wanting to start a podcast of my own. I just didn't know the, really the steps to take. Um, but she, she knows she's excellent with all that. Um, got it on, you know, Apple, Google, Spotify, all that good stuff. So, um, so from that standpoint, she's fantastic. But then she also has a story of her own. Um, and so that's been kind of cool just getting to know her because I had, I knew of her, but didn't really know her in a sense. Um, but we really just want to end the stigma around mental health and allow people to come on to the show and just be vulnerable. Um, and as vulnerable, the more vulnerable you are, um, you know, kind of the more you help people. Um, and we want to allow people to talk and to know that it's a safe space for them to, to talk and, and speak up about the things they care about because we don't want to force that onto people, obviously. Um, but I know some podcasts on whatever, like you could get on there and, and feel, you know, pressure to talk or feel like it's not a safe space. And we just want it to be as comfortable as possible for our guests. Um, but guest wise, uh, we have like, we don't really have anything set in stone. Um, we have, you know, a couple people that have said yes, like Emma Potter. She played at frick, Stanford, maybe some some Pac-12 school. Yeah. Um, and then we have Asia Wilson, who's in the NBA or WNBA right now. Um, so she, you know, she said she'll come on. So we have like a couple verbal yeses, but you know, nothing really set in stone. But we're not really gonna trip on guests right now we're just trying to yeah just trying to right yeah get it off the ground first i mean we definitely know as far as not knowing how to take the steps what steps to take um i mean we're this is going to be episode six and we're trying to figure out a lot of stuff still and um i know me and kayla are both excited to listen along the one in five as as it continues to have more and more episodes and um i just think it's awesome what you're doing because it really is hard like to have athletes especially be vulnerable because I think as athletes, people look at us as like tough guys or like, you know, you got to be tough or like, you know what I mean? Like this and that. And like people look at, you know, being vulnerable as being soft or something at times, like it has, it has like a negative view on it. Um, so I, we appreciate what you're doing with that for sure. Um, and I'm excited to see where, where it goes. Yeah, that's one thing I've always said is like as athletes, um, obviously stigma around mental health is around the world in general, but then you get into males um, and that stigma grows and then you get into male athletes and that stigma grows even more. Um, and then you get into like African-American athletes and that stigma grows even, even more. Even um, higher, yeah. 
so just like trying to end the stigma from the top and then slowly move our way down is kind of our goal in general but my goal in general as well and like why do you so for you why do you think um that it is so hard for like you said athletes males like as you move up the up the scale to have hard discussions like with the people you care about because I know um for me when we when we moved out here um I kind of like I had struggled with some stuff before and then once we moved out here like it, it just got worse um like I, I had to start like had to start seeing a counselor um like was would have breakdowns at work like once a week uh, and, and just like didn't really know what I was doing and it took probably like eight months for me to reach out to anyone besides like my parents Cobb and my wife like I my friends didn't know because if I made a trip back home like I acted like everything was cool all the yeah. time and like why do you think there is that stigma about like you have to act a certain way like if it's the people that are really actually close to you and actually care about you like you would think those would be the ones you would want to have those conversations with. But as males, a lot of the times, like you, you kind of push it to the side and don't ever want to have those conversations. You know, I think it starts from a young age. I was listening to Ocho Cinco, Brandon Marshall, and I can't remember who the other person was, but um, the analogy he used was fantastic. He was like, you have two twins, one boy, one girl, they both fall down. You're going to go up to the, to the little girl and you're going to say, oh, are you okay? Like, you know, you're, you're okay. Like, you know, just give her love. Yeah. The little boy's going to be crying. And you're going to say, come on, get up. We don't cry. Right. That's not what we do. Um, so I think being taught that from a young age, like it sticks with you. And so as males, we, we tend to not want to see people in a vulnerable way. We don't want to be vulnerable towards other people, especially other males. Um, but you know, it's tough. Um, but for me, that, that's what I've been trying to do is kind of be more openly vulnerable on social media and um, the different things I've written about or, the you know, the different podcasts I'm on, just kind of talk about the things I've been through in hopes that one male season becomes more vulnerable with his friends and then those friends become more, more vulnerable with their friends and it just keeps growing and growing until, um, you know, the stigma's not as prevalent. Yeah. And, and how did you first like know that you wanted to become kind of like an advocate for, for mental health? Like how, how did you, how did you know like this, is what you want to do? And like, you know, because I mean, everybody struggles with it, but it's hard. Like most people don't want to speak out like how you have and how you've, you've used like your, your platform um, as kind of a way to help others. And what made you decide you wanted to do that? Um, for me, um, so my story began in like seventh grade. It was like the first time I, you know, remember wanting to just not be alive. Um, and then we moved through high school and I started self-harming. Um, and then my senior year, I asked a girl with Down syndrome to prom and the tweet like went viral. Uh, like CNN, we were, they were calling, we were on the front page of Yahoo, the Ellen Show called, local paper, like all of it, like so wow. I gained like a large number of followers. And so I was like, you know, with this following, like I can either be, you know, more outspoken on the things I care about and try to help people be more outspoken about the things that don't really matter and be selfish yeah. with this platform or just be quiet, which isn't, isn't selfish by any means, but just being quiet. Um, and so for me, I just wanted to be more open 
And so between tweets and between Instagram and sharing stuff, retweeting stuff, um, I, I was just trying to show my openness. And so I wouldn't have even said like I was an advocate then. I was just kind of, because I, it wasn't until my freshman year of, of college where I knew because I was uh, diagnosed as having severe depression. But it wasn't till then where I even knew what depression was. So I knew like I was sad. I knew I was down. I knew I was at all these different feelings, nervousness at weird times. And so like I would I would talk about that on social media, but it wasn't until after that where I was like, wow, like, so this is what I'm going through. Like, okay, then I know there's other people going through this as well. Um, so then that's kind of when I took an even bigger step and started telling a little bit about my story. Um, and then obviously everything was Zach happened. And that's where I took even a bigger step and and um, trying to yeah be more vocal. Yeah, and then uh, also along with your work, as far as, you know, um, trying to spread awareness about mental health and stuff like that, you mentioned that your tweet went viral when you asked a girl uh, with Down syndrome out to prom, right? And you've also done a lot of work with like, uh, disabled people, right? And like kids with Down syndrome as far as like basketball camps and stuff, if I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. correct? Yeah. And how did you, how did you get into that? Like what made you, what made you want to do that and uh, kind of help those people and show them, you know, that, that they're loved as well, you know, and that you care about uh, them? It was kind of, it's kind of funny because there was a kid named Corey Pitzenberger um, who is like the biggest basketball fan. And like, I didn't know who he was, but like, he knew all about me. So he'd be talking to me in the hallways and like, it's funny, but the kid's like six, four, like he's tall. Really? Like he's a big kid. So it's like, he knew he loves basketball and knows all about it. Um, and so, you know, he kind of just started talking to me and that's kind of when my first contact with someone with a disability came. Um, and then through that, I made, met Blake Cummins who, um, who has down syndrome. And then, um, through both of them, I started, um, I can't even remember what it's called now, but pr- there was like a basketball program where they would play other schools who had uh, a team with those with disabilities. Okay. Um, and so I was on that team. And so I could, they could pass to me. I couldn't shoot and I could pass to them. I couldn't block. I couldn't rebound. Couldn't do any of that. Um, but when I tell you like Corey dominated, like, <laughs> like Corey, Corey's like one of the biggest kids out there. He's shooting threes. Like he's doing all of it. Um, but then he That's actually, awesome. um, he actually ended up going to be a manager at a prep school, um, in Louisville. Um, and he like loves it. Um, so that was cool. But, um, and so then between them, that's when I joined peer tutoring my senior year, which puts me in the classroom with them. But for me, I was in PE. Um, and so then I met Ellie and that's who I asked to prom. And so, um, you know, between the three of them, um, I would say that because of them, they caused me to want to make a better world for them. Like there's also a stigma around people with disabilities and, you know, they're still as smart as anyone you know you see um some like olympic style lifters who have downs yeah and like they're just strong as shit um and so it's crazy that you know we we count all these people out but at the end of the day they're just people too um they're some of the best people you could ever be around non-judgmental just just funny 
100 um, percent uh, between them and then those that deal with mental health issues like those are my two biggest passions and we got we got put into like that environment to like really young um so our dad worked for special olympics um when we were younger probably like i don't even know probably around like six years old um, yeah he was working for special olympics and he oversaw like an entire area of of special olympics so we would go every year to the illinois state games and like volunteer with him basically we're just like the annoying kids running around and first of all like the, the level of athletics that's there is extremely impressive um and then the other part of that is the level of person there is is unbelievable and it's kind of like you talked about is like one thing that you'll see at a special olympics event that you'll never see at any sporting event ever is um if if you're in a race and another another special olympian falls like the leading person in that race will stop running turn around go help that person up and they'll all run together like at the end of the day for them it's it's really about competing like they want to win but it's about like caring about each other and loving each other and obviously in a lot of competition it can't be that way like there's a winner and a loser in competition but to see like in its purest form people connecting with each other uh is amazing and everybody just wants to come up and give you hugs and like love each other and and it's an extremely eye-opening experience I would say anyone who's never volunteered um with those with disabilities take the first chance you could get and like really be as open as possible to it because it'll it'll change your life honestly just to see like how pure of of human beings they are it it really will and that's um and because of them like I wanted to start the basketball camps I was doing and then you know we're getting anywhere between 20 and 50 kids and it's like just to see them you know it was roughly about two-ish hours um but just to see how much fun they they genuinely had Um, doing the just the smallest drills um, having a little competition within each other but just to see how much fun they genuinely had um, being around us um, as you know me hosting and then having some camp counselors as well Um, but it was just awesome to see and I I love doing it Um, actually I mean a couple days ago just randomly um Oh, you said I'm frozen. Am I good now? Yeah. Yeah. You're yeah. Good. You're, you're good now. You're good now. You're good now. <laughs> um, but Blake just like randomly FaceTimed me like a couple of days ago um, and just was talking a little bit about life. And, and those are like the moments that kind of mean the most. No, no doubt. What oh, you so got, Caleb? You got something? We moved, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Uh, like are you a good? year or so ago, moved into the NCAA Inspiration Award, um, received that in 2020, correct? And just kind of talk us through what that process was like, how, how do you, how you got nominated for it, how it might have come about and like what that whole experience was like for you. Uh, my senior year, I remember our, um, one of our guys just talking to me about, um, you know, I'm going to nominate you. I think it's, you know, it's an award that, you know, you're very deserving of. Um, and then kind of, you know, didn't hear much about it the rest of my senior year. And then like, while I was in Bulgaria, I think I learned that I had won it. Um, and so originally my dad was going to, because the award show was in LA, uh, my dad was going to accept it for me. And because I was obviously in Bulgaria, I wasn't going to be able to you know, catch flights with games and stuff. Um, but he was going to accept it for me. 
Um, but, you know, I ended up leaving and being able to accept it. But I think the coolest thing was like the NCAA had like a Turkish film crew uh, because we were like an hour-ish from Turkey, hour and a half maybe. Um, so they came, like they drove um, and did like an interview at my place. Wow. And, and that's, that's like the, the, the video that's um, from the NCAA on YouTube. Like that's, that was them doing that. Um, and so I thought that was pretty cool. Um, but then I, you know, I get sent home kind of a blessing in the skies because I get to go um, accept the award, met some awesome people there. Um, and so for me, like, you know, it's a cool award, whatever. Um, but I think the most important thing for me is just understanding that my goal since the beginning of this is just to been, to help inspire one person. If I do that, my job's done. And so even getting nominated, uh, let alone winning, just kind of shows that um, I am inspiring people. And I'm hoping that the people I'm inspiring are inspiring others. And I, I just want to keep going and going and going. Um, but from that award show, like I, I got to, the chance to then go uh, speak to the community of Chicago at the All-Star Game, um, literally like that couple weeks later. Um, and so that was awesome too, to just to see kids in the crowd like me. Um, and it was like the first time, cause I was supposed to, I thought originally I was gonna be on a panel with Shamiko Holeslaw, Kevin Blackstone, uh, Meta World Peace. And so then we're like, we're all like, there like roughly an hour before and they're like, okay, Trey, so you're gonna go out first. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, what? <laughs> He's like, said, hold up. Yeah, like you're just gonna be like a TED talk. I was like, are you serious? Like I had no idea. You're like, you guys are gonna tell me this now? I was like, okay, if I'm gonna do this, like I at least need to be sitting down. Um, so they got me a chair or whatever. So, uh, but just to be able to look into the crowd and kind of see, um, you know, people like me, like young African-American males who, um, you know, in a sense, are going through something, have gone through yeah. something, or will go through something, um, and just try to inspire those. Um, you know, it was awesome. And you're actually doing a little bit more of the public speaking stuff now, correct? I, I know you had a series or are going through a series, uh, Broken Basketball and Breaking It. You want to talk to us a little bit about that and, and how that's going, who you've had the opportunity to speak to with that to this point? Yeah, it's uh, it's been a little tougher with COVID, so it's been a couple months since I've gotten the chance. But I've, um, I got to talk to Liberty, um, East Carolina, and there was someone else. Um, but it, you know, it was it was awesome being able to, um, talk to guys. I think the most impactful for me was Liberty, um, because I remember talking to them, and then a couple of days later. Uh, their Dobo te text me and was like, hey, like, I just want you to know one of our freshman guys came to came to me about going to counseling. Um, I, I don't think that he would have came to us about it if it weren't for you talking um, about what you did. And so like, those are the moments that mean a lot to me because one, not a lot of people even know what counseling really is. Um, two, not a lot of people have the courage, the want to even go to counseling. Uh, because I feel like a lot of people, if you know about counseling, a lot of people know it can help, but a lot of people still aren't ready to take that next step to go. Yeah. Um, and so then three to finally hear that he was ready and willing to go, like, you know, it was awesome. 
Um, so yeah, so I'm just, I'm looking forward to being able to continue to do that. Um, I think attacking it at the college level because I went through college basketball. Um, I went through tragedy. I went through all this stuff to be able to build connections with you guys. Cause a lot of guys will follow me on Instagram after message me, tell me things they've been through. Um, and so to be able to then talk to them after and build connections, I think um, one, it's important because I think connections with people are the most important thing. Um, and then two, it's needed for a lot of these guys because it's, yeah. like I said, not a lot of guys have or have that experience with counseling. So first, just talking to someone about what you're going through, even if it's not a counselor, I think it's important. It's starting to build that vulnerability. Yeah, and I think it's starting to become more of a thing in college athletics, like people coming in and just at least telling them like, you know, hey, if you're having any you know problems with your mental health, you can go talk to this person and they'll get you with this counselor. But I think having someone like you who is more of like someone who they can look at and say, okay, like this guy's, you know, been where I am before. And now he's, you know, playing professional basketball and like, he's still open about it. And he's still been to counseling and like, he's still gotten help whenever he needed it. Like, I feel like that would make an athlete more like comfort, like comforted and like more willing to actually go ask for help. So I think it's really dope that you're doing that. And uh, I think it's, I think it'll help a lot of those kids uh, just hearing it from somebody like you. Yeah. What, what's crazy is like when I first got on campus, obviously like, you know, we athletes, we got to be on campus during the summer. Um, so we get there as freshmen and this lady came and gave all the freshmen uh, this little questionnaire and it was about yeah. mental health. Like, have you had thoughts about, you know, suicide ever, like all these different things. And so I answered truthfully, was just like, okay, whatever. Like, you know, the last time I kind of went to someone about it, it just kind of got brushed away, but I'll just answer honestly, not expecting much. She comes back to me the next week. And from there, I start meeting with her once a week. And that was my first time ever um, seeing counseling. Um, but I'm hoping and I, I, I'm thinking that it's starting to start earlier. So I'm, I, I don't know, obviously, because I'm not in high school anymore, but I'm thinking and hoping that the mental health conversations will start, you know, middle school, high school, start getting um, that those conversations because, you know, there's so many different types of mental health um, and so many of these kids, so many of these people, like there was um, a cheerleader at one of the high schools in Louisville who just lost her life. And to think that, what resources do you have for her her teammates? What, yeah. resor re what resources do you have for her classmates? What, what are you guys gonna do for those students? Um, and so it just gets me thinking like something has to be done. Because yeah. if, if like I had never experienced death before Zach, like I had lost my great grandmother, but in a sense, like I wasn't super close with her. So for, for me, like Zach was my first taste of real death that came from someone close to me. And luckily I had a great circle of ball say I had, you know, obviously um, coaches, teammates, all of that got me into the right places, but it's like at 16, 15, 16, 17, what, what, what do I do? Well, I, do I, cope I, would, with that? Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't know how to handle that. And she lost her life in such a tragic way. 
And it's like, yeah. how, how are you going to help them? And so I'm hoping and praying that um, the conversations start earlier on. Um, I don't think it needs to start in elementary school, but I do think middle school is probably where it needs to start. Yeah, I definitely agree with you on that. Um, I think you see that a lot too with high school kids, like something happens, an accident or the other. And I mean, there's a lot of community outreach and like, you know, trying to like give support to the families and, and, you know, the people like that are directly involved with it, you know, but like a lot of it kind of doesn't get pushed onto like, like not pushed, but a lot of like help and support and stuff doesn't always go to, you know, their friends, you know, like, and, and in high school, I mean, your friends mean everything to you. I mean, even now, you know, my friends mean, my friends are basically family, you know? So um, I definitely agree that they need to start having those tough conversations at a younger and younger age and just helping those kids out whenever they need it the most, whenever they're the most vulnerable, probably. No, I agree with you. Cause um, if you look at it in, more the mental health way if someone so for me when Zach took his life the they say like the next not the next but the next best chance of someone to take their life is like the closest ones to him you know for me like I found him in that way so like they were so worried about me um now gonna do it um and so it's like survivor's guilt you have all these other aspects yeah. of everything and so um just trying to make sure you know, these kids are good yep sure. um i think we're gonna switch gears a little bit now uh get into something else um some rapid fire questions where you know you don't have to tell a story the whole time a little lighter something a little lighter and just uh kind of wrap it up with something kind of fun and uh, talk about some things that I know that you're you're into um, <laughs> other than mental health and things like that. First one I had was the biggest difference between college basketball and overseas basketball. Um, I think uh, work ethic. Not that I didn't work hard, but you're all about basketball being overseas. Um, let's see. What's my first one? Oh. What's your favorite card in your collection? Because I know you like to collect cards and stuff. So either that or give me your favorite card and then also your favorite piece of just sports memorabilia because I know you're into that. Uh, my favorite card would be a uh, LeBron rookie comic I have. I got it for 500 in December and then the last sold was like 2300 um, so, so seeing that growth in that was awesome. Um, and the favorite piece of memorabilia, I have uh, John Jones signed glove and then signed trunks as well. So I'm a big John Jones guy. That's awesome. What's your uh, favorite memory of your time playing at Ball State? Probably when we beat Notre Dame. Um, we beat Notre Dame at Notre Dame when they were number nine. My teammate Taylor Persons hit a game-winning uh, three. Um, and so it was like one of those moments where like we had this long-ass road trip <laughs> and then we, Notre Dame was like fourth out of like we traveled like nine thousand miles in like two weeks, so it was like crazy. All on um, the bus. We flew, we flew from Muncie to Oklahoma, Oklahoma, because we played at Oklahoma, Oklahoma back, Muncie to Oregon, Oregon to Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania to Indy. We spent Thanksgiving at Indy, or fuck, we Pennsylvania then played Notre Dame. <laughs> Drove from Notre Dame, then played Indiana State, and then Indiana State was our last stop. 
Oh, wow. <laughs> that was probably the best experience. That's a dope win, though, to have no top 10 doubt. team. No um, let's go back to what you said. You're a big John Jones fan. So I'm, I'm guessing you're a UFC fan, right? Yeah. And there's some big fights on tonight. We're recording this on Saturday. It's going to come out on Tuesday. What do you think? Adesanya can can move up to the light heavyweight and get the belt? What do you think? I, I, I don't know. He I looks kind of small. I think Jan's going to get it, man. I really do. Um, I yeah. think I think that Izzy's fast and that – can overwhelm some fighters. Um, but I think Izzy's fighting style with the leg kicks won't bother Jan as much as it does uh, the middleweight guys. Um, but I think Jan wins in KO. And, and hypothetically, building off that, uh, Bones Jones versus Izzy. I'm guessing you got Bones Jones. but I, I got, you, uh, yeah, I got Jones. Five rounds, how many rounds do you think it goes? I think it'll be John Jones in four. Because I think, think so? I think that John Jones would want to knock him out. Um, we <laughs> haven't seen like a dominant performance from John Jones in a while. Um, there's been yeah. a lot of like, did he really win that fight? Um, and so for me, I think John Jones would really want to come out on top. Okay. If you could trade places with anyone in the world for a day, who would it be and why? Man, that's crazy. Um, <laughs> I'd say... Um, I don't know. I'd like to be LeBron, maybe. I think it'd be cool to <laughs> be the best basketball player in the world. Right. Uh, kind of be most recognized what he's done off the court as well. Right. Yeah, I always tell people, like, like people always ask, like, would you take LeBron's athletic? Like, what would you do with LeBron's athleticism for one day or something? I, I just like, I can't even imagine just being able to just dunk on people like that and just get up and down the court like that. So I probably have the same exact answer as you. Um, I know, I know you are a supporter of like the WNBA and uh, women's hoops. So who do you think is the best female hooper of all time? Wow, all time. That's crazy. That's a tough one. Man, that is a tough one. I think it's honestly tougher in the women's game, too, because the WBA is still such a new league that, like, some of those, mm. like, you know, like like the Cheryl Millers of the world didn't right. really get to play, like, in a, in a top league like that. Right. You know what I mean? So it's hard to judge, kind of hard to gauge. Man, that that is – that's crazy. I can't – yeah, I, I don't really have an answer for you. Um I, I wouldn't know how to answer that one because I think, think who do you think the best is right now? How about that? To me, I love Elena Deladon. I think her yeah. size, skill, and athleticism, um, and like she's she's so good. And being able to watch her in person, like it, for me, like it was like Kobe esque. Like her footwork, her ability to get her shots off, like it, it was crazy. Um, but yeah, it's it's been awesome to. I think I've seen like three or four games of her in person, and so she's awesome. She's a bucket, a bucket. It's crazy. Wow. Uh, what what's life look like after basketball for Trey Moses? Man, that's tough. I um, you know, I think long term, I'd like to open up my own preschool for kids under the poverty line. Um, public speaking, like I, I would say, those two are like the two probably biggest. Uh, pursue that sounds like a big plan and 
you're the guy that I know could get it done. So, I mean, we hope we wish you nothing but the best. And uh, I hope everything finishes out this year well for you over there in uh, over it's you're only what half an hour away from me right now yeah um so i, I hope you all have a good end of your season what six five six more games left um who you guys got on monday uh we got benfica okay that's a winnable game though that's they're a winnable good, game man. they're good but they're good but it's winnable um go ahead and go get that win man and stay safe out there and uh, we appreciate what you're doing, as, as I'm sure a lot of people do. And uh, uh, thanks for coming on. Thanks for spending some time with us today. Um, you know, you could have been doing anything else, but it means a lot to us that you came on with us. Yes, sir. Sure. Appreciate you guys thinking about appreciate me. Appreciate it, man. Yeah. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks both of you guys. For yes, sure. sir. Have a good one. We want to thank Trey <laughs> again for coming on sharing a little bit of his story with us. Uh, it's, it's one that if you aren't aware of, definitely worth going to read and check out a little bit about his background and his story. Uh, an absolutely great dude, and, and I appreciate him taking the time. Uh, that was the first time I've ever talked with him. Uh, I know you know him a little more, but couldn't appreciate him more for coming on and, and sharing a little bit with us. Yeah, me and Trey, uh, I got introduced to him because we're signed with the same agency, uh, One Motive Sports. And he's just been like, a really dope guy to just like have as a friend, you know? Um, and whenever we played each other these uh, two times this year in Portugal, like it was really fun just catching up with him after the game. I think after the last game, we talked in the parking lot for like 30, 40 minutes or something, something like that while we were waiting on uh, the rest of my team to get ready to leave. So he's just a good guy and a great friend and just, um somebody that I'm very thankful to have in my corner and having having my circle you know no doubt and I I think he brought up a really good point and it, it's about the the openness of having uh mental health conversations with kids in like the middle school age uh obviously yeah. like you, you never want to force anything on anyone but having a better understanding of it could, could honestly help a lot of people um I know for my for myself um, middle school age, like is probably the time where I like vividly can remember more like struggling with anxiety type stuff. Like I yeah. didn't, you had, didn't even you know. had like, like before I knew what it was, you definitely had like a lot of anxiety as far as like before games and like trying to play games. And I remember like you wouldn't really eat food and stuff because you were like so right. nervous and stuff. And you had to eat was, like five hours before the game. Right. And that was like, shoot, that was going back to like, elementary school but like yeah when when it got older it got to the point where like in eighth grade uh, it, there might be like six people that know this like part of the reason I stopped playing basketball after eighth grade was um, I would our mom teaches at the middle school um, so we got the perk of or I did she had moved to a different class by then um, by the time you were there but I got the perk of being her like PM advisory helper so during our advisory time in the afternoon we kind of just go hang out in our classroom um but like before basketball practice like it got to the point where it was sometimes five days a week that like I would cry in her in her classroom before basketball practice because I like I was so scared to go not for any yeah. specific reason or anything like but but then like once I learned more as I got older like uh, about mental health stuff and like what about anxiety really is I was like, oh, like, it makes a lot of sense. Like, that was, 
the feelings that they talk about is what I had like starting um, at a young age. Uh, and, and I've gotten a lot better at, at handling it, but like it, that was probably the, the, the peaking point. And then from there, I made up a lot of excuses as to why I didn't want to play basketball anymore. Um, so, but that was like probably the, the biggest deciding factor. Not funny, it was like, but... No, I mean, it, it is though. Like, <laughs> I just like, know I, you did make a lot of excuses. Right. Like, right. I, I was I always like, why you don't, why don't you want to play? You know? Right. And I mean, I've come up with any other reason besides like, essentially it was like mentally, like I, I couldn't mm-hmm. handle it. Like I was, broken down before everything like I went to the doctor they thought I had an ulcer and like I just wasn't mentally prepared to play anymore and so to have someone who like has gone through I want to make clear like has has gone through significantly worse than I has like have he lost like one of his best friends to suicide um he's to for have someone like him who's really made it a point to be an advocate for athletes like I know athletes who have like reached out to me because as I started coaching and stuff I got a lot more open about it and about struggling and like making sure the athletes knew that I was someone that they could come to regardless of other coaches like whether it was our men's or women's teams at UCM um, like there's a couple couple volleyball girls I've talked to here that like have struggled with some stuff like not um, super serious stuff but like they've even texted me like when they've had issues cause they knew that from Melissa telling them that like I've struggled with similar stuff. Uh, so I think that it's, it's really cool to like, to understand that you're not alone and there's other people going through things or struggling with things. And like the people who care about you really care about you. And they're not going to think less of you if you have anxiety or if you're depressed about something like the ones that love you and care about you are going to be there for you regardless. And and to have someone like Trey really spreading that message, who's gotten to, for most people, like the highest point you can possibly be like, dude, was a division one college athlete plays professional basketball. Yeah. Like to see someone who's like that and still be like, Oh, he can struggle too. It, it's okay to struggle. I just need to go about it the right way. And I think it all started honestly with like a big one was DeMar DeRozan and Kevin Love. Like when they started opening up about it, I think it, kind of broke the floodgates to where it became a thing that okay it's it's okay not to be okay as like something yeah. I read from Trey and from like a lot of people is it they opened it up to that point to where like okay I'm a professional athlete like people would think I'm on top of the world but I still have days where I'm not all right too and I think that's huge yeah having millions of dollars and being like at such a high level of professional basketball and competition and uh, being this public figure that a lot of kids look up to, a lot of people love, and then a lot of people like, hey, it, all that doesn't shield you from still having your own personal struggles within within yourself, you know, and having your own mental health struggles. So, um, yeah, it's something that I never, I never deal, dealt with much, honestly, until uh, like, I know in college, I had some problems with it, just with like relationships and stuff. But basketball was always my like coping mechanism where like when I, I like I remember when I was going through that like I was just in the gym like 25 8 and like just wanted to shoot just because like it's like therapy it's like forgetting about everything you just get on the gun and go and you might be like 600 700 800 thousand shots deep and that's just like you're just doing it and you, you know like if I do this and all my, my shots right like the ball's going in like there's no if ands or buts about it you know it's so just kind of it's like a way to 
just like release and just like something you know about and something you're certain about, you know, and that's always been, been my thing. And then this summer I, I couldn't find, like, I mean, I, I didn't have a job overseas and I, I, I was like, I was struggling with not knowing if I'd play professional basketball, if I'd ever play basketball again for a little bit there. Like I had real, real questions about that. And it was days where I knew like I needed to go to the gym and work out and try and get better. And I didn't have a job. So, I mean, there's no, nothing else keeping me back besides just my own mental. And it was hard to get out of bed sometimes. And I shared it with Riley and uh, you know, she kind of just snapped me out of it and uh, helped me get through it. But there was times where I would just wake up like at 9am and just lay in bed till like two, because I just like didn't want to do anything. I just felt defeated. So um, it's definitely something that happens to athletes in at any level. And also something that, you know, takes place within, like Trey said, you know, even just being a, a male, like automatically puts you at a, a different standard than a female as far as, you know, you got to be, you got to be perceived as tougher and like, you know, shaking it off and oh rub some dirt on it. Like, like little sayings like that, I think. Right. Like, uh, they like, uh, like give you this, what, what's it like? Not toxic max masculinity, but kind of where uh, basically yeah. you know the man's always supposed to be like the tough guy and like never supposed to have any struggles whenever there is times whenever you struggle uh mentally and physically with with a lot of things so um i appreciate trey and i i mean he's definitely inspired me to look more into myself and be more honest with myself and other people as far as my own struggles so um i appreciate him for what he's done and kind of just opening my eyes to see more stuff because i remember when I saw him sign with like OMS and I started looking him up and looking through all his stuff, like reading what he had been through and, um, you know, kind of his goals and just the things that he had said and some of his speeches and things like that. I was like, you know, wow, like that helped me a lot just to, to realize that it, it's okay to not be okay. Like that's what he always is saying, you know? So uh, it was dope to have him on and uh, I don't know, just, just, just blessed to be a friend of this, you know? Right. Right. Definitely, definitely really cool to just have the opportunity to to hear his story and to talk with him. And I, I hope I get the opportunity to talk with him some more. Um, I, I just kind of would love to hear more about his story and kind of where he's at and where he's headed to the future and kind of get on board and get involved in any way that I'm really able to. So, uh, again, appreciate him for coming on. Uh, if you made it this far, we really appreciate it. I know it's a little bit of a deeper talk than what we've done in a lot of stuff. We, yeah. we want to have a lot of fun with with this podcast, but I, I think it's important at times to also use the, the, the little bit of a platform that we have to share um, real life stuff as well. So if you made it this far, we really appreciate it. Uh, make sure you go subscribe to the pod, iTunes, um, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, on YouTube, subscribe as well. Five stars, rate and review on, on Apple and, and follow us along on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at Home and Away Podcast. And we'll talk to you next week. We're out. Peace. Peace. See you.